So we're continuing our series this morning on becoming like Jesus. Um, you might have heard Jane Davies talk last week uh, on obedience. It was great. If you haven't heard that, do check it out. Um, because we're not just Christians here at Three Counties Church. We're followers of Jesus. We're his apprentices and uh, his disciples. So we aim to do three things. If you've been coming here for a bit, you should hopefully have got those three things by now. So the first thing is to, let's have a bit of audience participation here. Um, first thing is to be with, be with Jesus. Second thing we aim to do is to Great, you're getting there. And the third thing is to do what he did. So to be with Jesus, to become like Jesus, and to do what he did. And this morning as we talk about becoming like Jesus, we're focusing on compassion. And I have three simple questions for you and I. Do we see as Jesus saw? Do we feel as Jesus felt? And do we do what Jesus did? So let's read our, our main passage this morning. It's Matthew chapter 9. Let's see if this works. Great, it does. Um, so you can turn to it in your Bibles or it's up on the screen. Matthew 9 verse 35. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Do you know anyone who misses what is right in front of them? We have a shoe rack at home where, not surprisingly, we keep our shoes. It's just in the porch. And a few weeks uh, ago, one of the members of our, our family, who shall remain nameless, was looking for her trainers. And she started to ransack. Uh, so she first looked in, 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 the, you know, in the porch, in the, in the shoe rack, and then she started to ransack the whole house. And if that wasn't enough, she mobilized the whole household in this search. And where are the trainers? They've got to be somewhere. And then after a while, one of us decided to go back into the porch and have another look at the shoe rack. And the trainers were right there. All along. Has everyone ever done something like that? I have to say, I do that quite a lot. And I, I, I'm, when you look at the internet, you discover that I'm not the only man to have that problem. Sometimes we can miss the forest for all of the trees. Do you notice the beginning of verse 38 in our passage? When he saw the crowds. What do you think that means? Yes, there were a bunch of people gathered. That's a crowd. Jesus couldn't miss that. It was, it was pretty obvious. And um, I actually wrote this talk, um, on Bank Holiday Monday a few weeks ago. And, uh, I was sat on a bench at French and Pond, a great place to write uh, a, a talk. And the sky was blue. The temperature was about 20 degrees. And there was a crowd. It was a bit more like that. And uh, I saw the crowd. It was pretty obvious. In fact, even if you were going to French and Ponds a little bit later when I was leaving, there was a massive queue of cars um, because they weren't letting any people in. So even people queuing would have realized there's going to be a crowd. And I don't think Matthew just means that Jesus observed physically that there were a bunch of people gathered. I think he's saying that Jesus noticed them. He saw them as people. He recognized there were individuals with needs. I wonder if you've been 
anywhere where you have been seen but not noticed. Maybe you've been to a party and you're talking to someone, but they're not really looking at you. They're looking over your shoulder at somebody else or, you know, they're distracted with other things. They're saying yes, but they're not really listening. You're there, but it's like you're invisible. They don't see you. Or maybe worse, you've been that person and you've been talking to somebody, but you're not really present with them. You're not really listening. You don't really see them. Well, Jesus saw these crowds. He went beyond the surface. He saw they were harassed. They were, they had problems. They had difficulties. They had concerns and worries. Maybe he talked to some of them. I still remember when I was about 17 going into uh, my IT class. I think I must have been the first pupil in there because the teacher who was a Christian said, Dave, how are you? And I said, fine. And he said, no, really, how are you? And it stuck with me all these years that he actually cared. He was interested in me as a person. So maybe Jesus spoke to someone. Maybe he had a word of knowledge about some individuals. Or maybe he just got the sense of the need across the whole group. They were like sheep without a shepherd. They were looking in all the wrong places to satisfy their needs. They were going the wrong direction. They were getting lost, getting into trouble and danger. Jesus saw them. And so my first question is, do we see as Jesus saw? If you and I want to become like Jesus, we need to see with his eyes. If you and I want to develop the compassion of Jesus, we've got to start off seeing like he did. If you and I want to impact the world the way God has called us to, then we need to start seeing people because God's heart is for people. Jesus said the great commandment is to love God and the second is to love people. And it's hard to love people that you don't see. People you're just not connected to. So why don't we see people? And I I thought about this for me and actually, if I'm honest, one of the reasons is that I'm just too busy with my own agenda. Sort of like the priest in the story of the Good Samaritan, you know, I've got somewhere to to go. I've got something to do. If I was 20 years younger, I'd need to take a selfie and post it on Instagram. Or if I was 30 years younger, I'd probably post it on Snapchat or something like that. Sometimes, Sometimes we look, but we don't see. Or maybe it's not that. Maybe it's that you're overwhelmed. Um, Have you ever felt like that when you just turned on the news? And there's so much need in the world, so much suffering and pain and injustice. And it seems that the only way we can cope is just to not see. But as followers of Jesus, we're not called to run from the world. We're called to run to the world and bring God's love and hope and life to lost and broken people. I want to have a look at another Bible passage. Turn with me, if you will, or it can come up on the screen to Luke chapter 7, verse 36. Um, Let's read this passage. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life um, learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. 
When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who's touching him and what kind of a woman she is, that she is a sinner. Well, who isn't? So Simon the Pharisee had labeled this woman. She was probably a prostitute and Simon had just written her off. He hadn't seen her for who she really was, harassed and helpless, a sheep without a shepherd. And if we're honest, I wonder how often do we do that? How often do we class people or label people? You know, this person's from this country or that country or has this problem or agenda. And actually we don't see them for who they are. Do we see the people that God sees in our communities, in our neighborhoods, in our schools? Or are they just inconveniences or interruptions? People we use in the way to getting what it is that we actually want. If you and I want to become like Jesus and impact the world the way God wants, we've got to start seeing people. Seeing them how Jesus sees them. Skip forward with me actually in this story to verse 44. Then he, so that's Jesus, turned to the woman and said, Simon, do you see this woman? And I wonder what part of that question Jesus emphasized. Do you see this woman? Simon, I'm not talking to everybody else. I'm talking to you. Do you see this woman? Do you see this woman? Do you really see? Are you just looking at the surface? Are you looking at her clothes, her makeup, her face? Or do you see beneath the surface to the real human being? Do you see this woman? The one right in front of you. Not, not the 99, not, not all the others, but this woman. Do you see this woman? She's a person. She's a woman. She's precious to me. She is so loved that I would leave the 99 to find her. So my first question is, do you see as Jesus sees? God, would you give us open eyes to see the people around us? Would you save us from our busyness, from our agendas, from our self-importance, and help us to see those around us how you see them? Whether they're rich or poor or black and white, whether they look like they've got got it together or not, would you help us to see people how you see them? So let's go back to our passage. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. My second question is, do we feel as Jesus felt? Because God wants us to have his heart for people. And that's a dangerous thing. And when your heart's broken for what God, for what breaks God's heart, someone once said, you're never going to be the same again. And sometimes we sing that line in the song, don't we? Break your heart, break my heart for what breaks yours. But many of us have learned, I think, at a young age how to protect our hearts, haven't we? We don't let ourselves see pain in the world. And actually, when we see it, sometimes we just try to flit onto something else. Or actually, if if we see a lot of pain, maybe we just let our hearts get hardened. We put up defenses in order to protect our hearts. Well, Jesus didn't. He had compassion. And if that's your problem, well, this morning he's offering heart surgery. Right here, right now. 
And Ezekiel um, 36 verse 26, God says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. So there might be some heart transplants happening this morning. So the, the word in uh, Matthew 9 for compassion is, is this. Does that, anyone want to have a go at pronouncing it? A bit more audience participation. I can put up the English version if that helps. Or even the phonetic version. Anybody game? No? Well, n- neither am I. I'm not going to embarrass myself. But I'll tell you what it means. And it means to be moved in the inward parts. So back in Jesus' day, your inward part, your gut, was kind of the seat of your affections. And that's, that's what this word compassion means. You really feel it right, right here in the gut. And does that mean we sometimes feel sad about the situations around us? Well, I think, I think it does sometimes. Sometimes compassion actually might make us miserable. But that's when we need to embrace our misery to become our ministry. That's when the compassion we feel needs to move us to hope. Because hope is the weapon we have against sadness um, that comes from compassion. Because we believe God can break in and bring life and healing even in the darkest circumstances. Did you notice Jesus' compassion for the woman at Simon's house? You know, he saw her as a person. He didn't just label her. She was overlooked and misunderstood. She'd made lots of mistakes. She'd looked for love in all the wrong places. But Jesus was moved by compassion. And that led him to tell a story to Simon and the woman to help them both understand that this woman had loved much and she was forgiven. Um, And there's another story in in, in Luke 7 I'd like to share, actually, if we reverse back to to verse 11. Um, and, And this is what it says. Soon afterwards, Jesus went to a town called Nain and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her. And he said, don't cry. So Jesus is arriving in this town called Nain. Disciples in a big crowd with him. Maybe he's planning to teach them. I don't know. Um, But as they arrive, they see this funeral procession. And then Jesus sees the mother, she's presumably weeping, overcome with grief. And again, we don't know quite what happened. Maybe Jesus inquired about what's going on, or maybe he had a word of knowledge from the father specifically about this woman. So she was a widow, she'd lost her husband, uh, and now she has just lost her only son. And I love that little phrase, his heart went out to her. Isn't that just beautiful? Jesus is moved with compassion for this woman. And and that's my prayer too. Lord, would you give us compassion for the people we see around us? As we look with your eyes, help us to feel as you feel. May we not do the British stiff upper lip thing and just stay detached. May we not avoid feeling because it's too emotionally demanding. May we not just feel on the surface and avoid being really impacted in the gut. But may we have true compassion, I pray. And compassion wasn't just an occasional emotion for Jesus. 
he really saw people. He allowed himself to be moved by compassion, even when he was just traveling, when he was just arriving in the inn, I assume with plenty of other things to do. And it just, the, the thought just came to me that sometimes interruptions are God's opportunities. And I wondered if some of you needed to hear that this morning. Um, sometimes interruptions are God's opportunities. The things that we observe are his invitation to compassion and to be part of his story in that person's life. Because Jesus didn't just say, don't cry to the widow. He was moved to action. If we move on to the next verse, verse 14, um, let's read on. Then he went up and touched the bier they were carrying him on and the bearers stood still. He said, young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. They were all filled with awe and praised God. A great prophet has appeared among us, they said. God has come to help his people. This news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding country. Jesus' compassion moved him to action, and the dead man was raised to life. And the result was, I'm sure, an incredibly happy mother and praise for God by the crowds. So my third question is, do we do what Jesus did? And some of us maybe are good at feeling emotional about the pain and suffering in the world around us. We might feel bad about it or even feel empathy and sympathy. But compassion is more than just the feelings. When we're confronted with the pain and suffering in in the world around us, we need a compassion that will move us to action. And Someone's once said, if, you've, if you will never be moved to action without compassion, and if you have real compassion, it will always lead you to action. So do you and I bring life into situations where there is death? For the widow and her son, this was actual physical life. The son raised to the dead, and when we think of doing what Jesus did, that's, that's a scary one. But for the woman who was a sinner, um, it was spiritual and emotional life it was acknowledgement from jesus that she was forgiven that she had loved much that he was pleased with her that he accepted her and for the crowds that saw jesus well we don't really know um, from the broad gospel narrative i suspected some might have rejected um, his way of life um, and maybe they rejected it straight away, or maybe they kind of were interested at the beginning, but got distracted by life and then went on their own way. But some of them believed and followed Jesus and received life to the full. The book of James teaches us that faith, true faith, leads to action. And our world has great challenges. The challenge of climate change and the impact on the environment, as well as the world's poorest people. The challenge of the pandemic that we're going through right now, and particularly its impact on those countries with less developed healthcare systems. The challenge of injustice and war and natural disasters right across the planet. And then we've much more immediate challenges right here in Hazelmere in the three counties area. We've families who are in such financial need that the food bank is their real lifeline. We've individuals that struggle deeply with loneliness. We've, we've so many people just living without the knowledge and presence of the God who loves them and wants to gather them up like a hen gathers her chickens under a wing. And sometimes, I don't know about you, but, but the need feels overwhelming. And I want to say, let's not be put off by the scale of the need. 
Let's just do for the one what we would like to do for the many. It's the Good Samaritan principle. Let's, let's do whatever God puts right under our noses, what he's prompting us and asking us to do. Lord, would you deliver us from being religious Christians who are happy to only pray for people but don't get our hands dirty and actually helping them? And I thank you for so many in our church family that just get stuck in. Thank you for the many ministries we run, like Money Advice, The Wave, Playtime, the Parenting Courses. And we thank you too for all that just happens organically, when people just see a need and just do something about it. Lord, would you make us more like this? Make us people whose compassion prompts us and moves us into action. People who make a difference in the community around us. People who see the hungry fed, the children cared for, the lonely befriended, and the spiritually lost rescued. So I've I've talked through my three questions. Do you see as Jesus saw? Noticing people as loved individuals, each with their own needs? Do you and I feel as Jesus felt, real compassion from the gut? Do we actually do what Jesus did, bringing life from the Father in all its fullness? And as we seek to become more like Jesus, um, I just want to invite us to let these questions ruminate in our minds, just like good coffee percolating. Um, And maybe one of these questions particularly resonates with you. And and if it does, can I really encourage you to to think about that, to ponder that sort of each day this coming week and just see what God reveals um, and prompts in you. I've done that over the past week and it was really, really interesting. And maybe it's something you can discuss as small groups. What resonates? what, what, What have you observed If we don't see people the way Jesus sees them, we're not going to have his compassion. And if we don't have Christ's compassion, we're not going to be able to do his work. We won't be obedient to Jesus. We won't be part of his army, bringing about his kingdom, rescuing people, pointing them to Jesus, helping them to live life to the full. But before I finish, I just want to say one more thing. Because maybe you're thinking, that's all fine, David. All sounds great. But but I'm tired. The thought of having compassion on people simply overwhelms me. And compassion fatigue is real. Um, I've been reading about it. It's reported by many in the caring professions. Your emotions are fried. The only way you can cope is to withdraw. You might become less less empathetic and more detached um, and suffer from a sense of hopelessness or fear or anxiety. And people sometimes try to medicate that in different ways by escapism, by binge-watching Netflix, excessive time on social media, overeating, overworking. But I believe this morning Jesus wants to come and touch you if you're feeling that way. Bringing his healing, his peace, and his rest. If you're feeling weak or weary or heavy laden, if you're burned out on religion, if you feel you have no compassion left to offer, Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest. He is your peace. He can bring that healing and wholeness. The plan of the enemy is to stop us as followers of Jesus from bringing healing, hope and wholeness to a lost and broken world. 
And I also want to say, if, if you've pulled back from church, actually, and um, I, I just encourage you to get stuck in again, because church is the self-care method for Christians, meeting together in community, reading the scriptures together, encouraging one another, praying for one another. And I'm not just talking about Sunday morning services. I'm talking about small groups. I'm talking about meeting informally in ones and twos and whatever. These are all vital for spiritual health. If you're feeling overwhelmed at the moment, your rest isn't going to come through entertainment or escapism or even from other people. It's going to come from Jesus himself, sitting at his feet, waiting on him, immersing yourself in his word in prayer, um, connecting with the community of believers. And you'll find that if, as you lean into him, his strength and his compassion will pour into you. So let's pray as John and the band come up. Lord, thank you for your word. And thank you that you can speak actually in different ways to each of us. You often speak directly to each individual what that individual needs to hear. So, Lord, I just pray that our hearts be open right now to really receive your word. And I pray that, I pray that this would be more than just a 20 minutes on a Sunday morning thing. But Lord, that you would plant seeds and, and do works in our spirits and in our souls that will feed us and take us out, not just into this week, but we'll, we'll, we'll just begin to shape and influence the course of our lives going forward as we walk with you. Thank you, Jesus, that your yoke is easy and your burden is light. Help us to follow you and become more like you. Amen.